Hello, my name is Phil Svitek, and today I am joined by a friend of mine, Michael Klaus. But for any of you that have joined in the past, you know, that's, that's not why he's here, because he's my friend. He's here because he has credentials. Um, he is a host. He is a producer. He has a journalism background. And in fact, that is what I want to discuss today. So it's less of an interview with Michael. Um, it's more of a discussion on the current state of journalism, perhaps how we got here, and ideally uh, how we can fix it, or at the very least how we can, as citizens, stay informed. Uh, you know, I think, mm -hmm. I, I think you're someone like me, and I try to advocate this, like uh, for a well-informed citizenry. Like I think when, when I hear the word freedom in terms of America being spouted, I think it, it, to me there's a sense of responsibility that I don't think people you know, latch on to as much. It's like, they feel like, I, I don't know. And, and especially when it comes to the media, um, you know, I, I think, I, I think we take it for granted in terms of what that really means of staying informed and having a sense of responsibility. So, I mean, I just mm -hmm. broad question to, to give people some, you know, basic, what's your stand stance on the media as it exists today? I think the media has evolved where uh, it used to be that we expected the media to put in the work to cover all sides of everything and to be this unbiased, like light beacon on a hill. We, we used to be able to rely on them. And now the business has changed so that we, the consumer, are the ones, if we want that total unbiased, every side of an argument or story, that we have to be the ones that put in the work. Because businesses, medias, media outlets, they're businesses and they've evolved to the point where they know what makes them money. They know what their viewers are and they rely on those set viewers and they will engage with that set viewership instead of trying to engage with everyone. So if we as viewers and as consumers want the total picture we now have to put in the work to be able to do that versus before relying on the media to cover all sides of the story. And so, okay, so right there, can you sort of pinpoint, and it doesn't have to be like the exact year, the exact time, but, but a time frame at least of like when that shift started to happen. And also uh, you can take it in any order you want. You mentioned the word unbiased, right? We have to do the work. Mm -hmm. to, it, just plainly, is there an unbiased truth in all of this ultimately, like just through the news. You know what I mean? Because it almost, to me, it almost feels like you have to like do a lot of hard work to get to that ultimate quote truth. Yeah, great, both great questions. Uh, the first one in looking at timetable, I would say it probably started um, around 10 to 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And we're the most now that we've ever seen it where uh, media outlets are con considering themselves and classifying themselves as businesses where this is what I have to do to make money. This set group of people or audience is a main revenue stream for me. I'm going to dial into this group, whether that's for Fox News, people on the right, for MSNBC, people on the left, and other media outlets sprinkled in between. You have your base who is your moneymaker. And they know that because uh, that's the one that's driving the revenue. That's the one that their ads are uh, going towards. And they bring in advertisers who are specific for that group of people, whether it's Democrat or Republican, whether it's young, old, male, female, 
whatever that demographic it is, is, and they specifically target that demographic with their news and their coverage and how they lean it. And that is now more prevalent simply because the media used to make a bunch of money. Back when it was on TV, TV ads were major dollars. TV stations across the country got so much money from TV advertisement because it was media gold. It was the bread and butter. Then in the last 10 to 15 years, why it switched over is because people started getting their news more online and more online does not bring in the money. Social media ads, website ads are pennies on the dollar from what all of these TV stations were getting for actual on television ads. And so because of that, they needed to make sure that every dollar coming in, trying to get more of those. How do we, how do we uh, capitalize and get more of those? And how do we do that is by targeting a specific audience. So the last 10 to 15 years, because more people are getting their news online, whether that's web or social media, that has brought in less advertising dollars, which has led these companies to be more business focused versus news focused. They still have a news element where they're trying to cover the news, but they're not as unbiased of we need to cover every part. They're more strategic of saying, what part can we cover that will get us the most money? So that is the first one that you're talking about. The second one of, is there a truly unbiased news outlet out there? NPR, if you just (laughs) want to straight go NPR, is probably the most unbiased. Um, but in terms of a lot of the major outlets that we think about, I, I will go through them. Fox News, definitely right-leaning. MSNBC, definitely left-leaning. Uh, I would say far left for MSNBC, more far right uh, for Fox, especially because they have a, their shows are not necessarily news shows. They're commentator shows, which is a whole other subject. People look at Fox News and expect for it to be like a, a news broadcast. No, they're commentator shows. That's all they are. And their commentators are Republicans. So that's what you're going to get. Very similar with MSNBC and a lot of these other news outlets because they're having to fill more time. So they give more of these shows to personalities, to commentators, and those shows reflect the commentators' views. Um, uh, NBC, ABC, CBS, I would say lean left a little more. Um, And then those are your main cable outlets. But then you have your online uh, Twitter. So who are you following on Twitter? Are you following the Fox News or the conservative ones? Or are you following the Huffington Post and you know what uh, content they're putting out? And that's where I say it really is now on the consumer that the consumer is the one that has to say, I'm not just going to check one outlet to get my news. I'm going to think of a story that I want to get and will, you know, very broad, the election. And I'm not just going to get my election news from Fox News. I'm not just going to get my election news from MSNBC. I'm going to get it from both. And then I have to be the one that says, which of these do I think is more accurate? Which of these do I feel like believing? And there's parts of both that are going to be true. And we have to now be that filter for ourselves, whereas the media, uh, traditional media used to be that filter. You know, it's interesting to me. Um, as I kind of trace it back, as you're talking about 15 years, um, mm-hmm. one, I, like the, the rise of social media in the sense that obviously, you know, I take a video, I can post it. 
And then let's say you, you now see this tweet. All of a sudden now you're retweeting with a comment of like, hey, CNN, why aren't you covering this? So, you know, it's that old, like now you're tipping them. Yep. And not only that, by, by you showing your hand ultimately in that sense, like you could, you know, let's say just you tag the left leaning ones. Now it's like, okay, those are the ones that have to cover it. Then in a sense, I imagine like now Fox then responds to the left leaningness of whatever that news piece is. And it just kind of goes in that mm -hmm. way. Um, so it's like curated with a feedback loop from the people um, in a weird way without that journalistic integrity of like, okay, let's, let's get to the real source of it. And, and you made a great, oh, you made a great point, Phil, of who is a journalist nowadays. Almost all of us are journalists. We're reporting on news. Well, you can get a video and be able to post that. You can have an experience of your own and be able to share that on social media. And technically, I would say that makes you a journalist. So when I'm, when I'm talking about who are you following on social media that you're getting your content from, I'm not even just talking about major organizations and outlets. I'm talking about celebrities. I'm talking about friends that you follow and what content they're posting, what content they're sharing. You have to be able to have that balance of both in your life because otherwise you're only going to get one side or the other. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and I mean, here's where it gets even more difficult. I'm someone, so I speak multiple languages and, and I, tr I try to also, even if I didn't, let's say just taking English, I'll do a Google search and I want to get the different opinion, but because of like my pre-established preferences, it's always trying to skew me in that sort of weird feedback loop. Mm -hmm. And what's weird is even in spite of me, even just trying to do various searches to try to get to a different perspective forcibly, it's it, it, like, it, you know, Google, or I imagine this is like some other search engines as well. It's not almost like, it's like not letting me, I'm hitting a wall. And I like to get to that side that is different than my, let's say initial reaction would be, it, it, it's not at work. It's almost like almost non-existent in a sense. And, and it's like- It's very hard. And like, you know, you know me, like I'm not like the most, most tech savvy, but I would, pre I would pretty much like compared to most Americans, I would say like I'm above average in terms of tech savviness. Mm -hmm. So that, yeah. that's, an, you know, alarming in a sense. I don't know. It is. Yeah, and it's an uphill battle because we're asking people, we're putting it, we're putting that responsibility um, onto everyday individuals and, uh, you know, just regular Joe Blows of saying, you have to be able to do this. And a lot of them will say, no, don't feel like doing it. Not worth my time. I don't trust any other outlet that I'm getting besides this one outlet that I believe in. And they're giving me this one side. And that's why we have such divisiveness in the country right now, because you have a bunch of people who are unwilling to do that, to be able to go on branch outside of what they know, to listen to other opinions, to hear from other people who have different viewpoints than their own. And that has led to such divisiveness that we have in the country right now. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Mm -hmm. um, and in that sense, like apart from, apart from like an ownership on we the people, right? Mm -hmm. uh, how, is there a way back to this? You know, to, to having that integrity, Ooh. like, I mean, it's I, in a sense, like, I, I think it's going to have to really take out of the box thinking. And, and that's the thing. I don't know what that solution is. Um, one of the things I know you and I have both read, uh, Trust Me, I'm Lying by Ryan Holiday. Mm -hmm. And I remember in, in, in there, he mentioned like newspapers when they switch from like just selling 
you know, buy the newspaper and became subscription based, then that was a kind of way, you know, that was kind of the rise of the New York Times and, and people were, they had the ability to then have a little bit more of a journalistic integrity. And I don't know, is it back to subscription based? I, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that is the future right now, at least. Maybe yeah, I think, uh, I don't think, I don't think we've hit rock bottom yet. So mm -hmm. I don't think people are scrambling for that solution. Um, I see us, I don't know when we will hit rock bottom. Uh, rock bottom I see is where it's so divisive that it's almost hard to live mm -hmm. because you have this, this such pent up anger towards these other people because you've only gotten one side of the story and everyone is casting the other side as the devil. And so that is what rock bottom is. I don't think we've hit that yet. I, I agree with you of the subscription services because that is that revenue stream coming in where uh, they can spend more time and not try to worry about, am I making enough money with ads? Um, and so that will take some pressure off. So they will be able to cover more stories from every demographic, from every viewpoint. But still, even at that point, you're looking at who are my subscribers and am I giving the content that my subscribers want, not necessarily our subscribers coming because of the content I'm putting out. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And uh, I mean, this is I, I haven't done this right, but I, I've heard some people say, at least argue that by reading a physical newspaper, at least what you're getting is a little bit more thought out because, it, you know, in order to go to print, there's a little bit more thought rather than just hitting send on, mm -hmm. you know, an article that goes up online. Do you read the paper? And do you, would you find that to be true? Or uh, is that just, and again, I can't uh, speak this firsthand because I don't, I don't read the paper. Yeah, I don't read the paper either. My news uh, comes from various sources. I'm on Yahoo. I'm on Drudge Report. I'm you know, looking through various things on Twitter uh, from different outlets. So that's where I primarily get my news from. Um, I can see, actually, if you're looking at uh, a newspaper, what could be beneficial is that there's a wide variety of stories in there. So you're getting more information in totality versus just reading one story. So that might be a benefit there. I don't know if there would be the benefit of getting more sides to the opinion. Um, but it also goes in the, getting back to that book, Trust Me, I'm Lying. It talks in there about you know, the sensationalism. Sensationalism sells. And especially on social media, where it's all about getting the retweets and the likes. So many tweets, you have your 280 characters and 279 of them are, sensa are sensationalized. Yeah. Because... You want something that people read and say, oh my goodness, click, hit retweet, spread this around, retweet, without fact-checking of getting it out there. Um, and there's the quote that says, you know, a lie can get halfway around the world before the truth even has a chance to wake up. Yeah. And that is a big danger that we're seeing where even if, you know, the, the, the retweet that you're putting out is 75% true, it's 25% false. And then what you're relying on is the next person that sees that to repeat it. It's like a game of telephone. You might put something out that's 80% true when that person gets it and communicates it to their friend or types up their own copy of a tweet, that 75% or 80% becomes 60%. And then that person hears it, another person sees it on their page, only grabs one little section and only takes the 50% truth and blasts that to their friends. 
And that's another danger is this sensationalism. And it's like you said, it, people can be quick to put stuff out. You're immediately putting things out um, and you're being short about it. So I guess in that sense, a, a newspaper is usually a longer story that is more thought out, that does have uh, more of an overarching um, unbiased attitude towards it. Yeah. Um, that can be beneficial because, yeah, that is such a big thing. Of it, It's so you know quick to put stuff out now, web stories, tweets, uh, Instagram, Facebook. Um, and that's where the news comes from now. And it's so quick and it, it, it's hard to erase that. Where a newspaper, you're right, is more permanent. Yeah. No, and, and exactly. And, and, you know, one, one of the things I, I kind of go to there, what you're talking about is um, the lack of context, right? We always only mm -hmm. latch on, like most people, you know, if I tweet an article, most people are just going to read the damn headline. And even if I like provide, like, there, you can't provide enough context in that short amount of space. So in mm -hmm. theory, I imagine, I, I almost kind of want to do this experiment where I just write like an actual factual headline um, that maybe it could just be like the most mundane thing in the world, right? Like, uh, I don't know, a cat runs across the street type of thing. I don't know. But see how like people then respond to just that, you know, because mm -hmm. in, in a weird way, I almost feel like we're now so conditioned, like even if you just play it, say it in the most plainest way, now all of a sudden people are going to add their spin to it. You know, mm -hmm. I, I remember um, Adam Carolla, he kind of talked about this, like the headline, the factual thing could be Adam Carolla gets a DUI. And if you're, uh, you know, he argued that if you're left leaning, it's like, oh, what a piece of shit, blah, blah, blah. Whereas, you know, uh, you know, he argued that the right news outlets would say, well, he was only like, uh, uh, like half, half a mile from his house and he tried to call an Uber, but he didn't have service. So it's not that bad. And he only blew like mm -hmm. 0.01 or whatever it is over mm -hmm. the limit. You know, so like automatically mm -hmm. just by that simple headline, at least what do you argue? Um, do you find mm -hmm. that like people gravitate towards that? Would my oh, 100%. And when you, when you said that, I thought of the example, I, I've told people this, of when's the last time, you know, I, I say Twitter has killed the news mm -hmm. because when's the last time people, you know, it has, if you go on Twitter and you go even under trending or under things that are recommended for you, it'll give like a headline and then a news article. And when's the last time that, any one of us actually clicked on the article versus just keep on scrolling and hoping that someone else posted context of the article or quotes from the article, because you don't want to leave that platform. It's a, it's a mental thing of you want to keep yourself on, on Twitter. I don't want to leave to go to Yahoo's app. I don't want to leave to go to NBC's app. Um, even opening up another page because it means I have to click out and it's additional work. So we want the least amount of work possible. So we're seeing just whatever headline it is and then keep scrolling. Oh, a little more context. Keep scrolling. Oh, great. Someone else posted a quote. Keep scrolling. Oh, okay. I got the full story. You think without actually clicking on the story to read what that full context is, which provides the details. Like for that, if it was a DUI, the story would have the details of how far over the limit was he? What are the circumstances? How far from his house was he? Is this his first, second, third, fourth, fifth DUI? All those store, all those pieces of information are even included in the story, but people aren't even getting to the story. They're only capturing these snippets on social media, which are, uh, you know, headline driven and sexy stories that 
sexy headlines that people want to be able to retweet or that grab your attention. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things, you know, in, in talking about kind of all this, uh, the term iterative uh, journalism keeps coming up, right? Where it's mm -hmm. like, okay, well, we'll just put it out there. It's breaking news. It's developing every, by the way, I think like everything that I see nowadays is always breaking news. I mean, I still see like <laughs> COVID as breaking news. It's like COVID's big. Yes. Sorry to say like, <laughs> it's like, whether you think it's good, like, however we're responding to it, it's been here. Yep. So, but anyway, yeah, everything's a breaking news story. And, 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 and that becomes like the veil under which it's like, well, if we get it wrong, we get it wrong. Cause it's, it's developing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So where do you sort of land on that? Because like, you know, the idea is like, oh, well, if you and I understand it's breaking news, well, we'll check back in to see like what the developing story is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe, maybe it is that so enticing and that's what they're going for. Like you're just hooked there and like watching this thing. But, you know, chances are most of us are not going to like stay tuned with the story till it's logical conclusion, which could take weeks. If not yeah, months. it again gets back, it again gets back to what is sexiest. Um, breaking news sounds really sexy. Oh my goodness. It's breaking news. I have to pay attention to this. It's very important. And you're right. Breaking news now can mean anything. <laughs> A story can be going on like COVID and they'll say breaking news or they'll put up the headline developing story, new details, all of these things to be able to catch your attention, which again, I, everything that I'm saying, I, it sounds like I'm hating on traditional news and news media for what it's become. I don't hate it because I know that that's what they have to do to survive. Mm -hmm. I know that the money is so limited coming in now because people are getting the news online and the money is not there from news online. The advertising dollars are not there. So you're fighting tooth and nail to get any consumer, to get any kind of traffic. So you're pulling out all the tricks, all the stops, using breaking news for everything, using developing story, throwing out these sexy headlines just to get people to click so that it can show up as a page view so that you can pass that page view onto an advertiser and say, look how many page views we're getting don't you want your ad on this page and here's how much you're going to pay it for us. And that is the business that people have to realize. And the sad thing is we're, we're continually like putting band-aids because if you keep following this path of putting breaking news on everything and we're, we've gotten to that point, some of us and the rest of us will get there where we become numb to something saying breaking news. Yeah. We'll see something and say, oh, my goodness, breaking news. And you're saying, yeah, so it was the last thing. And guess what? It, it was nothing. You know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, uh, whatever George Bush's line is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I get it. And, and, and I mean, it's not even fool me twice. It's like every, every second. <laughs> mm -hmm. I know? pointed this out. I was watching TV with a friend uh, the other day. We were watching like CNBC and... Uh, he said there was something came out about breaking news. And I said, you know, this is not actually breaking, right? He's like, oh, what is this going on? I said, you know, this is not actually breaking. Listen, you'll see that they have breaking news every single day for every single story. And about three days later, he said to me, there really is just everything is breaking news now, isn't it? I said, yes, that's what it is. That's the game that we're playing. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. And, um, in a weird way, like now I've kind of consciously for better or worse, looked to more podcasts because I think it, in that sense, 
you know, you talked about the, the idea of everything's a little bit more commentary rather than just news. Um, and in that sense, at least I understand with a podcast, I'm going to get commentary and context. And because of that, there, I try to there listen to people that I don't always agree with. But because they provide that context, I don't have to then vilify them of, of, with a pitchfork and be like, die. Um, because I'm like, okay, you know what? I may disagree with you, but six out of 10 things that you've been saying uh, since I've started listening, like I agree with you. So it's like, I don't have to agree with you about every single thing, mm-hmm. but at least now I have this different perspective. Um, so I guess a that, yeah, let's, let's talk about podcasts and, you know, uh, remind me in case I forget, I want, I want to talk about empathy. But let's start mm. with the podcast. Yeah, yeah. The podcast is, is similar to what you were talking about with a newspaper. Uh, it at least gives more details of the story than just a headline. Because just a headline, uh, you know, so-and-so got a DUI, that's what you remember. And even if it comes back four months later of the, the case got thrown out and there's no DUI, it doesn't matter. You're going to remember so-and-so got a DUI. You're not going to listen to the follow-up because the follow-up is not as sexy. And so a podcast usually is longer form, 30 minutes, an hour, sometimes even more. And that allows whoever is hosting that to give more details and to provide more context, which is huge. Um, And especially if what you're saying, if you're listening to these podcasts of people who you don't always agree with, that's so important. I tell people all the time, if you look around and everyone in the room has the, everyone in your circle or in your, in your room has the exact same opinions as you find a different room because you're not growing. You're not challenging yourself. You're not injecting new ideas and then having that thought process of, are these good? Are these bad? Let me try to weed these out. Let me challenge myself to think differently, which is what a podcast and uh, different commentary can bring. Okay. Uh, I want to go down a bit of a, a tangent, right? A little bit of a rabbit hole tangent there. So when you say like, you know, because um, I think there is a difference between being with people um, who obviously disagree with you. I, I, I agree with you there. Um, but I also think it can get into that, that idea where all of a sudden people start hitting below the belt. Because then I don't think that, help, you know what I mean? Like, to me, I, I try to take it to the next level of like, okay, I want you to disagree with me. But rather than you know, saying, well, like you're stupid and whatever, like you're just being ignorant or whatever else. It's like, no, let's really talk about the issue. And perhaps this does tie into my empathy aspect. It's like, okay, understand where I'm coming from now, see my argument and then use that against me rather than just saying I'm stupid. And then which will make me go, well, you're stupider, you know, because then it just, the lowest common denominator just like goes lower and lower. Mm -hmm. So you have to be open to having dialogue. Mm -hmm. You have to be open to hearing ideas and being able to, again, digest them, take time to digest them and not just say, well, I'm open to listening. And then like putting a steel plate in front of your face so that whatever they tell you is just bouncing off. There are multiple levels and steps to that of um, being open and actually processing that information and saying, I agree with you on this. I don't agree with you because this. And that will, you know, all that does is better society. It betters yourself, a better society, because the more we can listen as a society, the more we realize we're actually not that different. Mm-hmm. So 
Okay, here's the interesting part, right? It's one thing to have this discourse uh, in person, which I think at least lends itself towards the to, towards a more humane dialogue. Maybe not, but certainly on social media, I, I I don't know. From what I get, is this sense that people aren't looking for a dialogue, and it's, and, and mm. it's weird to me because it's like you're posting it out there. So do you want me to like? why why do that you know turn off comments or if, if anything if you don't want to have an actual discussion you, about this you want the gratification social media is all about instant gratification and the endorphins and like how many likes can i get how many retweets how many comments how many things can praise what i'm doing and back up what i'm saying and you don't post on social media to get rebuttals and because if you did, then you wouldn't post on social media. You don't put it out there. So people say, oh, that's a, that's a terrible statement. You put it out there. So people say, oh my goodness, I agree with you. Let's make this tweet go viral. Let's make this opinion go viral. That's why they post on it. It's, it, it's terrible. And that, but that's just the society that we live in. Of people are doing uh, social media for clout. They're doing social media to get those endorphins and that satisfaction of, People agree with me. What I'm saying is true. That must make me great. I'm great. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's so interesting. And, um, you know, I, I just think back to this, like, one example, right? And there was this person that posted, like, uh, at, the, at the kind of onset of the George Floyd, uh, you know, everything that was going on there, um, this person posted, like, a picture of Martin Luther King of, like, you know, never rioted, never looted, uh, an American hero. And, you know, I just respond back of like, well, I don't, that's not entirely true necessarily, you know, mm -hmm. like he, I mean, he was shot because people hated his outlook and whatever else um, mm -hmm. at the time. And, you know, the response I got was actually intriguing to me because it was like, well, people need to understand like the level of anti-Semitism in this country and whatever else. And I was like, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. I think that's a great perspective that you're bringing in. None of that was conveyed in your like picture. So like, if anything, I'm actually rooting for you, but it, 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 like, how was I supposed to interpret anti-Semitism in America with a picture of Martin Luther King saying like, he never mm -hmm. rioted, never looted it? Yeah. It, it, just, it just baffled me. I don't, I don't know. And there's not well, necessarily a question there other than like, it just still, I react to this today. And, and we're, we're driven by money. So we'd be foolish not to be able to admit there is money to be made by a large following. And so people put out these sensationalized headlines or they put out things to get massive retweets, to get a massive following because you can make money off that following. Whether that's on Twitter, whether that's on Instagram, whether that's on Facebook, you can get sponsorships, you can get ads, you'll be brought in for jobs. And so the more how that process works of getting that sponsorship is sponsorship comes from following. Followings come from you posting things that get retweeted. You get retweets from things that are sensationalized. And so what can I post that's sensationalized, which will get me the followers, which will get me the jobs, which will get me the sponsorships, which will get me the money. And so I even think of this, the, the biggest example I can think of recently is, and I forget his name. He is, uh, he posts a lot of stuff on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, he's more liberal leaning and he posts a lot of stuff that's sensationalized and like negative fear-driven stuff. And he had posted on Twitter something about 
congratulating uh, Kamala and Joe Biden. He's like, I'm so excited that there are nominees, da, 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 da. And people dug up tweets from like two years ago. He said, if there's two people that I would never vote for, it's Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Yeah. And people said, what is this? What? And it gets done on both sides. This is just an example of someone on the left who was doing it. But someone on the right does the exact same thing. It's why Ted Cruz, who bashed Donald Trump three and a half years ago, four years ago, is now like praising Trump because you're getting these people behind you. And it's all about what am I saying right now? What viewers and people can I engage with right now to add to my following so that I can get bigger, so that I can get better jobs, better sponsorships and more money? Well, I mean, there's there's an important point, I think, to be made. Like, I, I do think people can change and have the ability to change. But I think you have to also contextualize it in that way. Again, the, the word context, it becomes a little bit harder because like, you know, there's people I've disagreed with and disliked. And I'm like, you know what? N not so bad. Maybe I've changed. Maybe they've changed. And maybe a combination mm -hmm. of the two. But then something kind of a more kind of poignant thing that I do want to discuss. It's interesting to me in in the climate of today, like with cancel culture, I almost think it's it becomes antithetical to gain a following because it's like, what is this all worth? Because it's like the more in a weird way, it's like I, I almost I fear that we're going to get to a point where most people that would be, let's say, in government or journalists are going to be like, fuck this. I'm not I'm not dealing with this shit where like I try to do one thing and then all of a sudden it's fucking mm -hmm. mob mentality to cancel. Like, no, fuck this. And I fear that like the people that, OK, not everyone. Listen, at the end of the day, we're all human. So not everyone's going to get it right. But, but you know, it, even the person, let's say that anyone else, like, you know, 99.9% that, that would be perfect. But if that, like, they get caught on that 0.1%, all of a sudden now we're throwing pitchforks at them. Like, now that worries me. And I don't why, know. Do you, why do you think our two main uh, candidates for president are Donald Trump and Joe Biden? One who is a reality star constantly seeking fame. And the other is a politician who's been in office for almost 50 years. Like, there's no surprise on that, that our candidates are not better. Even look back to four years ago, I think we all agreed of like, if there was a great third option, we would have loved to take it. People voting for Hillary were doing so because they didn't want Trump to win. People voting for Trump were voting for Trump because they didn't want Hillary to win. You're not voting for someone because you really like them because you're exactly right. We've gotten to that part with point with cancel, cancel culture where the best people will look and say, uh, I'm not subjecting myself to the public fame. I'm not subjecting myself to people digging up and misrepresenting everything that I've ever done and my intent behind it. And that is playing a role. Again, to look at who we have as candidates the last four years, there's no surprise on that because you have to be a certain amount of egotistical to be able to do that, or at least a lot of people are. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, listen, that's a whole separate, I, I hate the two-party system just in general, like, yep. you know, anyway. I'm mm -hmm. gonna, I'm, and I'm gonna, and how we got that, how we got that way is that Donald Trump came in, who is not a Republican, and he's trying to, he realized that the Republican base is probably easier to appeal to, so he changes his views and, like, majorly appeals to this Republican base and puts out a bunch of stuff on social media that, uh, again, garners retweets, garners following, and garners support. And by doing so, he gets the presidency of the United States. So we can't say it doesn't work. 
We can't say that the strategies that people are using where you're putting out sensationalized content, you're building up that following, you're using that following to achieve something and then becoming something, we can't say it doesn't work, which is terrible. Because we would love to say, hey, guess what? The sensationalism doesn't work. We need to get back to bring this full circle. We need to get back to that traditional news media. We need to get back to this total unbiased, like be kind to everyone, be the best friend of everyone um, and report the, the facts honestly. We need to get back to that. But the issue is we're seeing the reverse of that work so well. And so why would people change? Why would Donald Trump change who he is, is putting out, um, information every single day that's, you know, takes jabs at people and riles people up. Same thing with people, politicians on the left. Why would they do that? Because they're seeing that it's working. AOC is doing that every single day. Why? Because now she has, let me go to the tape here. AOC on Twitter now has uh, several million. We'll get the number. I like how you said uh, tape. We'll go to the tape, 8.3 million. Whereas like two years ago, she had maybe a couple hundred thousand, but now she has 8.3 million. What can you leverage with 8.3 million? Probably the same that Donald Trump is leveraging with his 85 million. And so that like, it gets back to like this failure uh, of media. It comes full circle with, again, who is a journalist? In this case, you could say Donald Trump is a journalist. You could say AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is a journalist. And they've used that new media platform of putting out sensationalized stuff to build up a following, to make money off that following, to be able to achieve something. They've used that new strategy and it's worked. And so the challenge is, how do you get these people to go away from it when they're looking at it and saying, uh, this has made me and gotten me everything that I've wanted? Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting too, to me, the idea of just media in general. I don't, you know, I'm not necessarily going to argue the causation. Perhaps it's more of a correlation, but I do look at reality TV and just kind of how that's gone. And like, in a way, I'll, I don't, I, you know, I don't have like any facts in front of me in, in the sense of like, who's watching, are people watching more reality TV versus, um, you know, other stuff. And, mm-hmm. But but it, uh, what's the word? Um, well, whatever. Just based on my firsthand experience, I feel like a lot of people are just watching. I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll make the judgment, right? Crap reality TV, and it saddens me because they uh, people always try like you. You need to watch, you know, back in the day, Honey Boo Boo, or you need to watch uh, Ninety Day Fiance. I'm like, I no, I don't want to subject myself to that, and like, it's just not for me. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that like that is the gravitational pull, if you will, I, you know, I think, yeah, it permeates, um, in, in journalism to, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it's what, can, what can get you, what can get you the most followers, you know, mm-hmm. and, and especially because so much money is now on. So like people realize social media is the driver. People are not going to specific websites every day. How do they get to websites like Yahoo and NBC and CBS and Fox news and MSNBC? They get there through portals like social media, like Twitter, like Facebook, like Snapchat. And so to get people to your website, you have to be able to have a good portal. Your facade that you're putting out there has to be good because you're connecting the consumer to the website through your social media. And that's what a lot of big companies are doing. And again, it works. It works fantastic. 
it's why so many different outlets, um, you know, and uh, they, they put out great content or just um, addicting content or shareable content on social media because it builds up their social media numbers. And then they use that to be able to drive website traffic. You use this platform, this social media to drive people to whatever you want, whether that's a show, whether that's an article, whether that's your website, whether that's an event that you're putting on, a personality, whoever it is, this social media has become the portal where you now have your consumers coming here and then being directed out because the consumer will not just straight go to the end result. The consumer is not going to go to the website. The consumer is not just going to find the story likely on Google or just going to a, a page. They're not going to find out about the event just by straight going to the event. The middle is that social media, which is the portal, which consumers are now going to, to get to these various locations and being driven there. Yeah. That makes sense. No, it does. And, and, um, and I don't, in a weird way, I feel like we're obsessed with top 10 lists. And I want to get your opinion on this because like every time that does happen to me, at least let's say like out of the five stories that would be suggested to me, at least two of them are like, you know, top 10 lists or whatever of like, you know, top 10 fails from celebrities or, you know, top 10 movies, like whatever top 10, it could be salacious. It could be praiseworthy, mm -hmm. but regardless, it's just going to draw tension because I, I i mean certainly that's why like you know you look at like oscars um what do they call it oscars winning tables or whatever you know like the betting stuff and it's like it's driven by that that idea of like well what what, what do you mean um first man wasn't nominated for best picture it was a great pick you're stupid <laughs> right it's just like i for yeah. some reason everything just automatically mm -hmm. is intended to like cause this conflict and it's like we're talking about freaking movies here mm -hmm. you know yeah it's whatever can catch your eye. Uh, I even noticed this, this is an example. Um, you'll notice on Buzzfeed has gotten away from doing top tens. They'll do top like seven or top 13 or top nine. And people will look at it and say, why top nine? Why, why, why not top 10? Well, I got to click to be able to find out why there's only nine and not 10. Because it, it's whatever you can do to jar that person to click. Whatever it is that you're like, ah, oh, get this rub them the wrong way so that they're intrigued enough to be able to jump on and to be able to do something with it. And what that does, like even with that top 10 of, Oh, why isn't this in the top 10? How are you going to share that? Well, you're going to take the article, you're going to post it on your own page and say, can you believe that so-and-so didn't include la the last man in their top 10, which yeah. will get other people to click on it, which uh, it's like, whatever is the most shareable nowadays is what all these places are putting out. Um, including news outlets. I mean, that again, BuzzFeed does this all the time. You're noticing this from even more of these like traditional news outlets are putting out these type of stories and these type of articles that are the most shareable. Whatever is the most shareable content, we're putting it out there. And, and including now they've realized, you know, thankfully, which is the only, you know, positive in all this, is that positive content also gets retweeted a lot. So like good stories of soldiers coming home, good stories of communities coming together for a homeless man and buying him something. And these are viral pieces of content as well. So the one silver lining is hopefully you're getting some of that good news out. Um, even like John Krasinski had his good news show that yeah. pushed out good news, which people are craving nowadays. 
because they've had so much of this sensationalized negativity that they're saying, I need something positive. What is positive? And so you're hoping that maybe some of that positivity gets injected and um, brings us all a, a little more peace and calm. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think the thing that we've kind of tiptoed around is this idea of intention. You have to be, you have to have an intention when you seek your news. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, if there certainly, I've noticed it like in the past. We'll just say quarantine, right? Um, when whenever like during quarantine, I haven't been thoughtful of how I actively seek out the news, and then I'm just letting it bombard me, and mm -hmm. then I'm going every which way. Versus, it's almost like a meditation. You have to set the time to do it or gym practice for other people, you know, you're more of a gym guy than a meditation <laughs> guy, but uh, you know, you, you set that time aside and it's like, all right, now I, I, I've, my mind's going to be clear and in the right headspace to, okay, consume whatever's there, good, bad, and different doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And I can process it in a way versus like, cause I, you know, I, I, and I'm guilty of it too. First thing you go on, you check Twitter and you're like, well, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've had that experience, but you know, hundred percent every day, every day. <laughs> yep. And there's some days I look and I'm like, not today, not eat, not even looking. I'm like, I'm turning this app off. It's only going to cause me anger to keep scrolling. How do we fight for the better natures of ourselves? Cause like, it's, it's a weird thing, you know, like, cause we could t do this with, uh, with well health. Like we all know sleeping, eating right, exercising, boom, key to health. Uh, we know, okay, mm -hmm. you know, not checking your phone in the morning. Like, you know, these things, we're not dumb. Mm -hmm. And yet, like, we just fight our better natures. Like it's, a, you know, whatever. Yeah, I haven't, and I go through this with myself where I say, well, I haven't checked Twitter in like 15 minutes. I bet there's some new information that I'm missing. I have to be able to get on there and look. And I regret it every single time. <laughs> I think it, it'll, it'll come with being, you know, like you, a little kid putting his hand over fire. Enough times you're going to get burned and say, well, okay, I probably shouldn't do this. I'm thinking at a certain point in society, we're going to get to that point and say, this is not healthy. I can't do this. I think it's going to be an individual experience for each person versus a uh, totalitarian like uh, view of everyone's going to have it at the same time. No, I think it varies per person. Um, I think there's already some people, like you're saying, of, of you and I, where we realize, hey, I can't do this to myself every day. This is not healthy for me mentally. Um, it's affecting my mood and my emotions and I need to limit it. And I, I hope that everyone else will be able to have that realization and have that self-control because otherwise we're heading down this path of turning this on social media into this in real life. Yeah. And that's where it gets dangerous. And we're already starting to see that play out so much. Um, you look at people in the, the mask mandate. It's like, oh my goodness, we're having people brawling over wearing masks. Like, and have whatever opinion you want about wearing masks. But how does that turn into a fist fight? Like, how? Yeah, it's it's very strange. And and I think um, you know the the other aspect of it is you, you know you almost say like the people, oh well, you know if 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 you're not constantly checking news, there's this thought that I'm not as informed. And what I found at least. Mm. When I have the intention, not only do I process the information better, but uh, I'm just as informed as I would be if I constantly was like checking the phone 24 seven. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And in fact, I'm in a, because I'm in a better headspace, I can actually, I feel like I have stuff to contribute. Not necessarily like, oh, let me go post on social media. But like if, 
you know, if you see an injustice or, you, you know, um, let, let's take the uh, fires in California. It's like, okay, let me, let me not be just freaked out about it. Let me make sure I have the things that I would need if there's an evacuation. Let me let that tell my friends, you know, hey, like I, cause you know, I went through this with my friends during the earthquake. Um, they didn't have earthquake kits. So I'm like, well, here's some links. You should probably like consider always having an earthquake kit. Like, I'm not saying that to alarm you, but just, you know, mm-hmm. you want to be cautious. Mm-hmm. And so same thing, like, hey, you know, I'm not, I'm not wishing for a fire to be near you, but maybe something to think about. Like we learned from last year, you know, L- L- the fires were much closer to LA last year. Hopefully that doesn't have, you know, I, I don't want fires mm-hmm. anywhere, but you know, so yeah. Yeah. It teaches you to value. It teaches you to value your own time, which will make you more intentional in, in what you're looking at. And, um, and that will translate into you being more informed and being more of, I, here's what I need. And I'm going to go after what I need. Great. I need this. I need this. I need this. Great. Instead of the, the rabbit hole that we so often get into where you don't value your own time. And then you get on Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat and you look at it and say, oh, look at this. And here we go down this rabbit hole. And, oh, look at this. Here we go down this rabbit hole and eventually you're 45 minutes in and you only meant to spend 10 or 15 minutes. And it's because you didn't put that time at the beginning of saying, this is a time that I have. This time is valuable for me. I need to be able to accomplish whatever I'm doing in these 15 minutes. So I need to be intentional in how I spend these 15 minutes. Well, that, you know, also too, it almost goes back to like the 2004 election where it was like the height of voter die. And everyone was like screaming, like, vote or die. But then in reality, it was like, well, how many of you that were screaming this actually voted? Oh, I didn't vote. Okay. Mm-hmm. So should you, <laughs> I'm not even going like, to suggest like, so you die. But yeah. um, the, the idea is like, okay, so you spent your time screaming at other people, but you didn't actually do the thing that you were preaching for in the first place. And, you know, now it's, it's exasperated in, as far as I see as you know, as far as what I see with social media, it's like, again, that's why if I have that intention, I can receive it and, you know, do something mm-hmm. for myself, but also do something that I actually am advocating for rather than sitting back and, you know, being like, Michael Klaus, you need to do this. <laughs> it lessens, it lessens the chance of fake advocacy, which is something that I touched on yesterday on Instagram where people think that posting something or sharing something or retweeting something is advocacy. And it's, it's not, it's fake advocacy. It might make you feel better and raise your endorphins of saying, well, look, look at what Michael did. Michael just tweeted this out. Good for Michael. And it's saying, did you actually sign the petition? Did you actually go and vote? Did you actually find a solution or promote a solution to the problem that you're preaching about? Or are you just part of the problem eventually because you're a fake advocate and, and you're not actually solving the problem? And we have a bunch of fake advocates right now in the country and on social media that are pushing all these things and this and this and this and this and then saying, well, why isn't this getting done? Well, it's because you're not moving the needle. All you're doing is just recycling the same old content and not coming up with solutions. Um, and so I see that, especially, you know, now looking at uh, the thing I brought it up about was the, the postal service. Uh, we have a bunch of people saying, save the postal service. We need to po- fund the postal service. Fund, 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 fund. Why are we going to say that? Da, da, da. And it's saying, 
what solutions are you pitching? Instead of just throwing money at the problem, why don't you look at solutions and say, okay, we need the postal service. Why don't we try to uh, raise the price of stamps? Why don't we try to come up with solutions of maybe cutting back um, services in certain areas that are really just not using them to be able to save money uh, and trying to come up with solutions and that will help solve the problem. And again, that gets back to we're journalists. So why don't we all try to be able to put out news that is helpful and beneficial and that will get us closer to a solution than constantly just recycling the same old salacious headlines and information that doesn't actually get us closer to where we want to be. And so that bring it full circle of how what we're, what we're talking about with this news and outlets is that we are the news and outlet. Like that's a responsibility that every one of us has by having a profile online of we're sharing information that other people are coming to us for information now. And so we need to put out information that is good, information that is helpful, information that is beneficial and going to get us closer to the solution. Because otherwise, we're no better than all these other outlets that we're talking about of, well, why won't Fox News cover everything, cover anything on the left? Why won't MSNBC cover anything on the right? Well, why don't you cover both sides and be able to put out information from both sides? You know, the, the shoe is on a different foot. Yeah. Yeah, no, well, um, I think that's a good place to end. I mean, I opened it up with the idea that, you know, freedom comes with responsibility you know, I, I, I like that um, Spider-Man quote with great, and I change the word with great power. I change it to with great freedom comes great responsibility. Mm, so. I like that. I like that. It's, it's so true. The work now, and bring a full circle, the work now is on us. As consumers, <laughs> the work is on us to be able to educate ourselves and be able to spread that education. We can't just rely on the five main news outlets, national news outlets, to be able to give us information and we're good. Those days are gone, they're never coming back. Okay, we need to realize that, they're, they're never coming back. Now, we as consumers and as citizens, and it's that responsibility that we have from the freedom that you're talking about, is that we need to do the work. You need, every one of us needs to be able to educate ourselves, be able to seek out information from different sources, from different places that have different points of view, be able to process that and be able to have discussions, listen to people, share a wide variety of ideas and move closer to a solution. Because right now we're spending so much time in the middle and not putting things out that are getting us to a solution. We're just in this space, which is causing everyone to be angry at each other. And we need to get to here, find whatever it is. It's going to get you here to a solution, which is going to make us all a lot happier, which is going to make society come together and realize that we're not that different. And it's hopefully going to get some better people by 2024 to run for president than the two candidates that we have right now. Yeah. Well, you know, um, that's a whole nother, whole nother subject for a whole nother day, but, um, I appreciate your time. Uh, hopefully you listening, watching do as well. Hope you taking, mm -hmm. taking a lot out of this, um, for more to kind of, if you want to interact with Michael directly or just follow him, uh, at the only MC, on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Um, so check them out there. And uh, I appreciate you. And if you'd be so, you know, let's, one of the things like, I think you and I agree on this, we want to start a discussion. Like this is not the, uh, this is not the playbook on how to live life, but 
So to that extent, you know, it, I'm sure you have your own two cents. Write them in the comments section. Share what you think. Uh, you know, the one thing I ask, just, you know, let's all be respectful in that sense. I know it's like a hokey cliche thing, but like, I really do love different opinions and I sincerely welcome them. So from that perspective, let's, let's have an engaging conversation because I do genuinely want, want it. And I think, you know, you've mentioned it already, different perspectives gets us to a better place. But certainly if you just say like, Bill sucks, Michael sucks or whatever else, that's not helping anybody. <laughs> You can have those opinions. Just try to add something more as to why we suck. Listen, tell me my haircut sucks. That's why, like, great. Okay, I'll go get a haircut. Love it. Anyway, (laughs) thanks, Mike, and um, take care. Of course.